0: Amen. Amen. Can we give a hand clap to the Lord today, the Lord Jesus? Amen. Hallelujah. The kingdom is yours. The kingdom is yours. What a beautiful, true statement. This morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about imagining the kingdom. We've been talking about imagining different things, and uh, I want to talk to you for a few minutes and maybe even into next week, about imagining the kingdom. The kingdom of God is yours. It's yours to receive. It's yours to live in. It's yours to embrace. In Luke chapter 12, the scripture says this, starting at verse 22. It says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, Or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barns, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying a single hour, add a single hour to the span of your life? If then you are not able to do, do small, as small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God clothes, so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, How much more will God clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat or for what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying, for it is the nations of the world that strive after such things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, there's some language here we might not be real used to, like kingdom language, um, unless you watch the crown. Anyway, um, just a couple of quick definitions. This is... Uh, this is. Uh, really kind of a, from a Dallas Willard definition of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is the range of God's effective will. So when God's talking about his kingdom, he's talking about the range of his effective will. In other words, wherever God's will is being lived into and lived out, that is where God's kingdom is. Not outside of that. I, I Sometimes, and maybe you've said or you've heard people say, well, God's in control of everything, and that's not necessarily true because God gives us, which is kind of the next thing, that we all have a kingdom. God gives us all choices. So God has allowed us to have choices, which then comes out of his control. Could he supersede that control? He sure could, but because he loves us so much... He gives us the ability to decide, will I live into God's kingdom? Will I allow my kingdom, the realm that he's given me, to be a part of God's kingdom? So God is in control of almost everything. But don't blame God for the things that he has allowed us to have choice over, or others to have choice over, because that is not... That way, because of God's control, God has allowed us, out of his deep love for humanity, to choose. Your kingdom, therefore, is your range, your sphere of your effective will. It's that area that you and I choose. That's that's our range. So Jesus, it's interesting here when he starts to talk about this thing. And Jesus, when you pay attention to the Gospels, for instance, you see this kingdom language throughout, that Jesus really, this is really what he came to do. He didn't just come to die on the cross and resurrect from the dead, although that was part of the story, a vital part of the story. Jesus just didn't come just to offer salvation to us, that kind of decision we make at some point or that process that we go through so we begin to serve God perhaps. That's a a vital part of the story and a wonderful part of the story if and when you do that. But God came to give us a life in his kingdom so much more than just about heaven and so much more than just about a decision. But the problem is, for many uh, Christ followers, is that that's kind of it. It's about a decision, and then it's about someday I get to heaven. And then life transformation and formation and how God's kingdom comes in my life doesn't even seem to be primary. It seems to be secondary if we're not careful. But what Jesus is talking about is this whole life experience. You'll notice he uses the word disciple here. What Jesus really calls us to is a life of discipleship, uh, not just a life of uh, a decision. It's a life of discipleship. Uh, some of you might be more comfortable. An uh, interchangeable word for that would be apprentice. Jesus calls us to be Apprentices. His uh, his name was Gaston, and uh, I met Gaston. Let's see, it was about it was over forty. Wow, it was about forty years ago, I guess. And um, I had just Claire and I had just gotten married. Things were very difficult financially. Um, the economy in the United States and around the world was really bad. Some of you, if you're old enough, might remember that. The Detroit area was especially bad. The auto industry was horrific. And Gaston, uh, by a series of events, decided to offer me a position as an apprentice to be an electrician at 18 years old. So I began my journey with Gaston. Gaston was a brilliant person. He was an electrical engineer, master electrician, journeyman electrician, had been in the Navy for a long while, just a really intelligent, kind-hearted person. And for the next five years, pretty much every day, Monday through Friday or Saturday, I would meet up with Gaston, usually at his house, and then we would go off to work And I would listen to him. And I would learn from him. And I would pay attention to what was dangerous. And he would share his knowledge with me. And he would show me how to treat customers. And I would, not perfectly, but I would do this journey with him day in and day out until one day I was able to take my test, my journeyman's test, fortunately pass it, continued to work with him, but no longer would I be an apprentice. I would then be a journeyman. But for that time, I was on this journey with Gaston. I obeyed him. I asked him, I think, good questions, sometimes what felt like stupid questions. But I followed him, and I learned... From him. And I'm grateful for that. Jesus calls us to be apprentices. There doesn't come a day where you get your journeyman's card as a Christ follower. You just, according to the invitation, you just keep on apprenticing. You follow, you respond, you obey, you learn. You pay attention to the movements of God and how God is with people, how God is with you. And you try to reflect that. You are made in the image and likeness of God. And the best way to become more like the person you were created to be is to be a great apprentice. There was a time when I was working for Gaston, it happened actually a couple of times, that things got so rough that customers weren't paying him. I went at times for a few months uh, at one point with our daughter Sarah already uh, in those early days, already a part of our life, Claire and I early in our marriage. And I would go at times as an apprentice, even without pay, And I would have people say to me, they would say, you know, why do you keep working for Gaston? And again, it was a tough time in the economy, and I would think, you know, part of it was I felt this deep conviction that God gave me this opportunity. But another part of it was, well, what else do you have in mind for me? And I have to admit that along the way, um, I've had people ask me, why do you keep following Jesus? Maybe you've had that question Asked of you, why do you stay in pursuit of Jesus? Why do you keep apprenticing for Jesus? And I have the same question Do you have any better options? I can't think of any better options. I tried myself for a while, I tried to let me run the thing for a while. Didn't work out. You can try that way. But I would encourage you to realize the sooner the better that you can't do that job. And I'd also have you consider is there anyone else that can fill that role? Is there any other kingdom that's worth living for? I don't think so. So we apprentice, we live into the kingdom. You know, over the last almost two years now, if ever there was a commercial for Jesus and his kingdom, it would be now. The present world condition and listening to the craziness is the greatest commercial I've ever seen in my life. For the kingdom of God. The kingdom of the world will always leave you desperately wanting. So there's questions to consider when it comes to the kingdom. First of all, understand that you and I, we have our own kingdom. We have a kingdom. Our life is like a kingdom that God has given to each of us. It's our realm. It's, it's the space that God gives us. And it's our choice what we'll do with that kingdom. In Matthew five thirteen through 16, Jesus says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. Listen. In the same way, let your light shine before others that you may see they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The invitation is that we would bring... The kingdom that God has given us, the sphere, that, that realm that we've been given in our own personal life, and we submit that, we bring that to God, and we say, I want my kingdom, it's a choice we all have, to be a part of this greater kingdom story. I want it to be that way. And Jesus encourages us, and he says, you go ahead and live into your kingdom. You be salt of the earth. You be the light of the world. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, honestly, I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but I would read this scripture, especially you are the light of the world, and I'm like, that's a typo. That's just a bad That has got to be a bad, like, interpretation of what that really means. Jesus is the light of the world. And I would read it. I would change. I'd go to a different version. And it's like, no, it's still saying I'm the light of the world. This is hard for me to embrace because I just don't think it's possible. But Jesus thinks that you, in proper alignment with the kingdom of God, are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. It's your turn. It's my turn. To bring the kingdom that God has given us in our own personal life, the wisdom we have, the gifts we have, the talent, the personality... The physical body that each of us has, the education, the knowledge, the money, the resources, the housing that we have, the health that we have, the energy that we have, the family perhaps that we have, the relationships we have, not only with God, but the relationships we have with one another, we bring. This is part of the kingdom that God has given us, and we bring that to God. We have this range and sphere of an effective will we have the power, by choice, to bring it to God and submit it to God's kingdom and be a kingdom partner with God. So what is it for you? It's your turn now. You know, I think we want to, like, stereotypical say, like, stereotype one another and say, this is what a Christian looks like. This is what somebody that's fully walking in the kingdom looks like. But it's just, and it's hard for us. It becomes, the diversity's hard for us, isn't it? Like, like even when you look through history, isn't it crazy? Don't, did you ever consider, like, even if you were to think about this room, in this room, or online, if you're in your living room and you're with your family, just consider just a group of people, and you, a group of Christ followers, you look around, how diverse is it, they are. Not just in, not just racially perhaps diverse, not just in age diverse, but how diverse in the things that we're all wired to do and in pursuit of. Like I think about historically like some of the saints, right? People that have been called saints, like Saint Ignatius. Well, Saint Ignatius, when he kind of went through his conversion experience, he left being a soldier. He was a great warrior. He left being a soldier then it's not too much longer you read about this woman called Joan of Arc and she becomes a soldier after she kind of gives her goes through her conversion experience and you got people like Thomas Merton that is this contemplative and he kind of just cloisters himself or stays away from people for a lot of his life and then you've got like uh, Martin Luther King Jr who is totally peacefully activating his life. He's almost the exact opposite. Most of his contemplative time is while he's in a jail cell. Think about Peter and Paul. What must it have been like for them, the friction that they had? Like, Peter probably got disgusted about Paul's education. I could easily imagine it. Like, I'm a fisherman. Who are you, you old Pharisee? You know, and just the conflict that would happen because of the diversity. But when people live into the way God created them to be and bring their kingdom life to the kingdom of God, the diversity creates powerful things. People like St. Francis and St. Clair who come from wealthy families and leave all of the wealth. And then you've got guys like Aquinas who's trying to accumulate stuff. It's powerful. It's powerful and it's God's kingdom design. It's beautiful stuff. So the question for you and for me, if we realize that it's our turn What is the life you're supposed to live into? And then how does that connect with other people in the kingdom of God and in God's kingdom? How does it bring the goodness and beauty that God intends to the earth? Another question is, now let me go back. I think this is a good question for us to ask around, just for you to ask and for me to ask. Lord, what would my life be if I were living into your desire? What would my life be if I were living into your desire? The next question that comes to my mind is, what news are we giving most attention? See, Jesus talked a lot about news. You do realize that. There wasn't any television, obviously. There weren't any newspapers. But in spite of that, Jesus talked about the news quite often. And we talk about the news quite often. What news do you give most attention and energy to when it comes to the kingdom of God being formed in you? Is a Fox? CNN, MSNBC, Breitbart, New York Times, The View, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, ESPN, Consumers Reports, USA Today. Is it a is it a is it a news celebrity that you've kind of taken whatever they say and? if If you were honest about it, or if you paid some attention to it, you 'd have to say that person really is discipling me. That news is what 's discipling me. I am an apprentice of that news in mark 1, 14 and fifteen. The scripture says after John was put in prison, speaking to John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. Everyone say good news news. of God. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news, the gospel, the kingdom of God news. It's not the same as those other news. I'm not saying that you can't ever watch the news, but we've got to begin to pay attention to what in the world is apprenticing us. Who are the voices that are helping us become what we're becoming as a people? Jesus said, see, what we don't get is we think Jesus came to preach, When you really pay close attention, literally, Jesus, the scripture says he was proclaiming. Jesus was proclaiming the news. That's how the news was communicated. People walked around in Jesus' time, and they proclaimed what they thought was true. And Jesus was proclaiming the news of the day that was relevant then and is relevant now. The good news of the kingdom of God. He goes on in Luke four sixteen through 21, and it says this, And Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. On the, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was proclaiming. The kingdom news is not the same news as this world. You notice here when Jesus starts saying what he was proclaiming, he kind of goes through a list. You notice it in the Beatitudes. We sang some of that today. Today kind of goes through this list of different people that he wants to make sure they understand. You know why? Because it's not a laundry list. It's not like a total list. It's a specific list, but it's not a total list. Because Jesus, what he's really communicating is everyone that has been ignored and, and it's the tendency of the world to ignore, I want you to know that you have an invitation to the good news of the kingdom of God. It's for everyone. It's not just for all of the things that this world tells you you need to be in pursuit of. It's not just for the people that have money. It's not just for the people that live in big homes. It's not just for people that aren't in prison. It's not just for people that aren't, that are feeling like they're a part of the club. It's for Everyone. It's not just for the people that are whole in their body. It's for everybody today and throughout history that has felt like they have been cast off in one way or another. The kingdom is available to absolutely every one of us. Then he says these crazy things. This is the gospel of the kingdom love your enemy. I need help with that. I don't know about you. I don't even know who you think is your enemy, right? Like there's different stuff. Like some people literally, their life is on the line today in different parts of the world. Maybe that's your story. But we all, when we think about loving our enemies, it's interesting like how quick we can come up with some people, That's what Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom was about. That was one of the things. Let's just start there. Let's just start with the level of anger that we're operating under. Let's start there. Love your enemies. You know, Jesus, I need to learn how to do that. I need to be apprenticed. We're going to keep this talk going next week, but I just want you to know this. We're going to pick up from right there. But I want you to know this, that you and I cannot fully live into the kingdom of God. We cannot love our enemies on our own. You can't do it. You can't deal with the anger that comes in your life. You know that under almost every anger is a fear. There's a fear. And that's why we get angry about stuff. That's why we start to clutch and grab is because we're afraid. And we can talk more about that next week. But I want to leave you on this scripture. It's in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And it says this. It says, for the kingdom of God is not food and drink. In other words, what Jesus is saying, it's not all of this stuff out here. And he time and time again goes back to, don't worry about that stuff. All the stuff out here I'm paying attention to as well. But the kingdom of God is not about that, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, you and I need the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to live more, I want to be a better apprentice. I want to be the kind of apprentice that is really learning and thriving and doing well. I think you're that kind of person too. But we need some help. So even now, Lord, as we bring this to you, just this desire to be kingdom people, We pray that you'd help us, that you'd fill us afresh with your Spirit. We pray, God, for the righteousness and peace and joy that comes in you. And we pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit afresh in our lives. Even on this day, we just take some kind of act, symbolic act of opening ourselves to you. Whether you want to just open your hands up, whether you want to bow your head, whether you want to stand up. If you would say, I just want the Holy Spirit to help me with this. I want to be an apprentice of Jesus. Just do that right now. And God, you see in every home that's tuned in to watching this, you see it throughout this room fill us O oh Lord fill us God with the ability to live into the things that seem so difficult but we know they're so right oh Lord help us we trust you Jesus amen amen God bless you guys we'll pick up this next week
1: Blessing are the ones who suffer by And still have strength to love their enemies Blessing is the faith of all that persevere Though they fall and never know defeat The kingdom is yours is yours. Hold on a little more. This is not the end. Hope is in the Lord. Keep your eyes open.
2: home that's able to stand you stand with me and maybe extend your hands to your neighbor to those that came with you today and let's speak a blessing over one another and let's pray for God's love and God's kingdom to be made known to us this week so God I pray for my friends and how grateful I am for each of them and grateful for the work that you're doing in each of us Thank you for the words of reminders, the words that are the kingdom that Pastor Scott was teaching to us today. Help us to expand our hearts, to expand them with love. Help us to see one another not as enemies, but as brothers and sisters in you, O God. So God, I pray your blessing, your protection, and your love over each and every one of us today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we all pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you back next week as Pastor Scott continues on and we continue to learn about the kingdom of God.